What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 25 of the African Tech Roundup for the week ending 5 October 2015. It's Monday, and like we always do every week, we round up the week's most important technology, digital, and innovation news from across Africa. My name is Tefo Mohapi, and usually I co-host the show with Andile Masuku, but alas, he's on a break this week. But I'm not rolling solo. I have a special guest who's visiting us, Vijay Vijendranath. Sup, Vijay? Sup, man? Yeah, it's all good. Tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Okay, uh, just letting you know, guys, I'm not unemployed. I'm actually a special guest here because I was asked by Tefo to, you know, just to come in and fill up and delay. Uh, but apparently, I'm filling up uh, huge shoes because he's really the expert. So sorry if I disappoint. But yeah, uh, I'm VJ. I'm an engineer by trade, but I'm also I also do startups. I'm a photographer. I'm a dad of, of two kids. So there you go. Uh, I've got my hands full already. And how's the newborn doing? You know, the diaper changes are great. It's very different when it's a boy compared to a girl because they spray and you don't know where it goes. <laughs> so we can officially say you're a co-founder of two babies. I'm definitely a co-founder, baby. This is a st- kind of startup where no seed funding will ever help. I agree. I agree. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you're listening to us for the first time, you have quite some catching up to do as we're already in the fifth month of the podcast. But do not despair. Head straight to africantechroundup.com to catch up on all the previous episodes and to sign up to our weekly newsletter so that you don't miss a single episode. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at African Roundup. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com African Tech Roundup. Give us a shout and let us know what's up. We'd love to hear from you. In this week's discussion a little later on, we talk about what is possibly the largest cyber crime in the history of cars. Involving Volkswagen and its many automobile brands, the likes of Audi, Skoda and Seat. Let's get to this week's news. First up is our famous probably most talked about topic facebook.com's internet.org it's getting a name change Uh, according to reports facebook is set to rename its internet.org app and it's going to call it free basics internet.org for those who are not familiar is a service by facebook which allows mainly people in developing countries to get free access to the internet but there's a catch to it you only get certain services like obviously facebook and access in some countries to maternity info, etc. But it's very limited. So they're naming this Free Basics. I think it's just a branding exercise. What do you make of this, Vijay? Well, look, um, I think it's uh, very commendable that uh, Mark Zuckerberg wants to give free internet access to the users. But of course, it's really about getting Facebook to more users, which means more people means more advertising revenue. That's correct. The more people are on Facebook, the more numbers he can sell to advertisers, the more he can charge for advertising, the more clicks he can get on ads, even though those people are getting on Facebook for free. But it's all good. It's commendable. We still don't have malaria pills, but we've got free internet. Topic for another day. In similar news, Google has announced an initiative in Ghana, which they call Project Link. This initiative is... A little bit similar to what they do in the United States with a project called Google Fiber. But in this case, it's a fiber network that they're implementing in Ghana, but not selling directly to consumers. They are working with telcos and enterprises in Ghana to provide fiber broadband in the country. What do you make of this, Vijay? Well, firstly, thanks Google for, you know, for getting South Africa. But awesome, awesome news for Ghana, that's for sure. I mean, this is broadband access all over the country that Africa really needs. And hopefully done correctly it's going to do 
well in the country. It's a good point you make that uh, they forgot South Africa. I think in a few episodes back, we when Google launched the Android phone, Android One phone in West Africa and East Africa, we noted quite importantly that it was not even being announced in Southern Africa, and they weren't even telling us of dates of when it's going to come down. And up to today, Monday. It's still hasn't come down to South Africa. So it's quite interesting to note that all these initiatives are going all over the continent, especially by Google, and are not coming down to South Africa. But even more interesting is uh, the worrying fact that uh, people like Facebook and Google are the ones implementing infrastructure for in free internet access across the continent. And uh, local African telcos are not playing rather strongly in this field, except for one project that we know of, Project Decisive. Yeah, no, I'm not sure whether it's really short-sightedness of our own companies that aren't doing it, but perhaps these companies are just so large that they can afford to do it, while the local companies are just too too stum- uh, stumbled upon uh, the existing business. They just can't, you know, expand and do something free like this. Very good point you make. I think in an interview that uh, Andile, my co usual co-host, did with MTN South Africa CEO Mteto Nyati, Mteto spoke about, he asked him the very same question about free internet. Mteto spoke about it not being uh, something that they'd be looking at because they want to make money off giving internet access. So yeah, it doesn't seem like African telcos are going to be playing in this space for a very long time. So it leaves people like Project Isizwe, Google and Facebook to really go crazy at it. But uh, I'm more interested to find out how Google in this specific project with Project Link are going to make money. Uh, interesting you mentioned that. Now, the reason why they may be doing this free is their revenue uh, stream is based on advertising, while the revenue, for example, at MTN is from actual usage basis. So they don't earn from advertising, and that's the difference and why one can do it free and the other cannot. That makes sense, I guess. But uh, um, that, that, that means their business model is being disrupted in the process, no? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, advertising organizations are making a lot more money uh, through, through sponsored content than actually selling you a dead pipe. Okay, MTN and the rest, your work is cut out for you. And in other South African news, the South African Department of Home Affairs has come up with a very interesting initiative where they're trying to get more and more people to get their new identity documents. So instead of your green identity document book or booklet, you can now apply for a smart ID card. The catch or the lovely benefit about this is that you can apply for this at a bank. But there's also a catch to that. It's that the pilot only runs with First National Bank and Standard Bank for smart ID cards and also for the pilot for the passports runs with NetBank. Interesting observation is that APSA is excluded and I wonder why. Well, not to sound controversial, perhaps APSA doesn't meet some requirement with the government. Who knows? It's uh, all speculation. But uh, great initiative. Um, I think, you know, banks have all the information. Why not? It's just very simple. They have the information. You just fill it in, print it out for you, done. Yeah, I mean, this this reminds me of a conversation we had earlier in the year with somebody at a national bank in South Africa who was talking about how banks have, as you say, all the information about a person from their home address, their telephone numbers, etc., including how much money you make, obviously. But this is very interesting. But what about the rural areas? I mean, we talk about Africa having a lot of its population unbanked, and definitely South Africa has a lot of people unbanked. We've seen many failed initiatives to get unbanked people banked. So does this exclude people in rural areas from getting smart IDs? That's an interesting question. Um, if you think about it, how many people actually have proper bank accounts in the banks 
20%. So are we making the services easier for the middle class community? And then we, we may be excluding those who have no bank account. So that's a very interesting and very important point. You know, we're making things easier for those who are richer and it becomes more difficult for those that are poorer. Yeah, because I'm just imagining somebody in Mkungunkovu on Duende or Matatiel and there's no APSA branch. Oh, sorry, APSA is not included. There's no First National Bank branch. There's no Standard Bank branch. Well, they might not need a net bank branch, but probably in Matatiel, if you go into Lesotho, you might need a smart passport. So, But getting to the point, the point is what happens to the people again in the rural areas? Are we coming up with fancy solutions for first world problems that don't take into consideration the whole or the majority of the population? Even some townships don't have a, a bank branches. So, yeah, it's, it's a very commendable initiative. Big up to Minister Malusi Gigaba, but uh, it raises some questions in terms of uh, reach for the whole population. To West Africa, we go this time in Nigeria, where the recently held Demo Africa took place. But interesting enough, uh, the former communication and technology minister, Omobola Johnson, is now a venture capitalist because she spoke at uh, Demo Africa for the first time in her capacity as a partner at TLCom Capital a venture capital fund with offices in London and Nairobi that invest in telecom, media, and technology companies. Johnson has been a pioneer in defining the Nigerian government's relationship with technology entrepreneurs and startups, and she's definitely come up with a few initiatives in the West African country. This includes initiatives like the Launchpad and the Idea Hub, which have helped the technology and innovation ecosystem in Nigeria to flourish as we've slowly come to know it. What do you make of a government official VJ becoming a venture capital as soon as they've left their post. That sounds like what we all do, but then, you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> what is quite interesting is that this fund was only had only offices in London and Nairobi and it seems like this is their strategy to expand their their operations to West Africa and specifically Nigeria, given how a lot of hype and I might say also commendably so substance is coming out of Nigeria in terms of startups with what with um, Mark Essien's Hotels NG raising 1.2 million dollars of Series A funding recently in the year so it seems like the the wave of hype and trends of startups coming up in terms of tech startups is slowly moving towards Nigeria and this is a good sign for the whole continent and the country at large uh, yeah well I would say a functioning uh, prosperous Nigeria is actually good for Africa uh, moving to a story that's that's been making the rounds globally and finally hit the continent coming down south in South Africa. The South African government has issued a statement saying that it will investigate Volkswagen regarding its uh, false data scandal. This, if you haven't heard yet, involves uh, Volkswagen diesel cars which were fitted with some specific software which gave out the wrong readings for emissions data after they were tested. This was discovered by two testers randomly who ran tests after they rented a Volkswagen diesel vehicle and ran their own independent tests and compared them to those that were written in the specifications. This is quite a huge scandal and I'm quite happy to see that South Africa is taking a stand on this. It's actually a very intricate uh, scam. As it turns out, I was watching something um, on TV where they do it is that it detects the way um, emissions testing is conducted. So it looks at the angle of the steering wheel, the gear position, the movement of your car, because remember, emission test means your car doesn't move. 
but the wheel does. It detects that it knows it's doing some sort of test and then it does the actual kick, kicks in that scan. Wow, this is quite intricate. The Department of Environmental Affairs and Transport, as well as National Regulator of Compulsory Specifications, have said that they need to determine whether local Volkswagen cars, local as in South African, have been affected by the rigging that has affected US, US vehicle emissions tests. And this is quite a good introduction to our discussion topic this week, which we look at firstly at the Volkswagen scandal, which is easily, in our eyes, the biggest cybercrime scandal that involves cars in a while. And also what this means for the future of cars, taking into consideration that most the future looks like it's electric. Firstly, let me also give you the disappointment uh, on behalf of the Indian community that the VWs are going through this because I think every Indian who loves cars talks about his VW. And this is going to be really devastating because now relationships are going to end because of this. I can just also imagine for, 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 our, for our listeners who, who are not South African, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a huge movement, before I get back to the topic in South Africa, of uh, youth who are known as Kotani. So these are trendy youth. So they idolize the Volkswagen Golf GTI and... This is their pinnacle car. So with all this information coming out, I'm thinking as a side note, it's a quite huge dent to this movement. But back to serious news though. I mean, how, as you were explaining earlier, how the rigging or the cyber crime by Volkswagen, I think we are allowed to call it cyber crime because it involves cheating and people are being fired and there's legal cases being laid against Volkswagen. is quite elaborate by them and it shows that they were doing it on purpose. But also... Does this mean the death of petrol and diesel cars? Does this make, is this the good entry point for people like Elon Musk to say, you can't trust these people, not only are they polluting the environment, this is the point where we need to all move to electric cars and software-driven cars? In fact, diesel cars were being sold on the fact that it was safe, it was uh, clean, and it was fuel-efficient. Now, um, diesel engines uh, on its own are under threat as a result. And people who, who want to go back to petrol engines are going to find out it's much more expensive to run. So I think maybe this is a good sign that you know, we can just fully drop all this and just move straight into hybrid electric vehicles and it's just better for the economy and the environment. Interesting point. True. I mean, I agree with the whole electric and hybrid point. But uh, a certain conspiratory part of my mind is thinking that what are the chances that these people who discovered that there was a software that's rigging uh, emissions data were actually funded by electric car lobbyists or people like Elon Musk, if I may say that, alleged, I don't know anything, this is just a conspiracy theory. What are the chances that this was a perfect uh, entry for them to attack the carbon emission car industry by finding something that already existed they didn't know existed so it, this could have existed for decades and nobody knew about it but as soon as they discovered it they found the perfect moment as soon as Elon Musk launched the new Tesla X SUV to attack the car industry and to make a huge scandal about it to show people that, as you say, hit them where it hurts most with the diesel cars which were said to be the safest in terms of emissions, etc., what are the chances that's the point? Well, clearly we are not Fox News, so let's not go into that direction. But I can say one thing. There's all kinds of controversies in the United States and speculation against Volkswagen because they did not want a German manufacturer becoming the number one manufacturer in America. And apparently existing American companies were involved trying to get them out and they had to find something. That's what I'm hearing. But again, Fox News. Or Volkswagen News. <laughs> 
But it's interesting, as we mentioned earlier in the news item, I mean, South Africa seems to be taking the lead on this in the continent and investigating, which is good. I mean, it shows the proactivity of African governments in taking the care of their citizens and looking out for them. But what does this mean for the future of cars? Will this accelerate us to electric cars? And if that's the case, this presents another challenge. Given the loss of trust, yes, this proves that diesel is, is bad and all that, but it also proves that electric cars which rely extensively on software, can be rigged. You know what? It's actually quite possible. What if uh, electric companies are in the future? Uh, they can rig and tell you that your, your mileage of your electric charge could be 400 miles or 1,000 miles, when in fact you can only do 100. You never know. And it also gets even more complicated when we start talking about driverless cars, which rely completely on software. Oh, don't get me started on driverless cars. That's what people do here in the roads in Joburg anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but this is all fantasy and fancy for all of us on the continent because uh, we, we still haven't had like a fully electric car except the ones that do like 40 kilometers a day and need a recharge. You're, let me not mention brand names. But uh, it's quite interesting, something to explore and follow because definitely they will be hitting the continent soon. Oh, definitely. I mean, that, that's something I'm looking forward to. But don't forget, controversies can ex extend, not just Volkswagen. What I heard was uh, apparently now they're going to do testing on BMW because they noticed the indicators don't work. <laughs> I think that's just your personal opinion. But getting back to the topic in terms of driverless cars before we close up is and, and electric cars going forward. The interesting thing is that once a car becomes electric, you no more differentiating on the engine or the combustion engine in terms of selling different models. Like we've seen with Tesla, it becomes a software upgrade. So if you're selling, in the case of Volkswagen, sorry Volkswagen, you in the news, if uh, you're selling a Golf 1.6i versus a GTI, you won't be talking about a 1.6i or a GTI. You'll now be talking about version X point whatever of the software, which gives you extra, not even torque, which gives you certain speed. Tesla actually introduced that, and that's actually become a new disruptive uh, way of selling vehicles, where a change in software makes the car different. Now you've got the ludicrous mode. Tesla, suddenly it's faster because there's software upgrade. I think it's amazing. I think from that perspective, it's a good thing but hopefully it can be managed. I have my doubts about it being managed. I mean, we've seen this with uh, Apple supposed to be locked down and you can't do anything with it. It comes as it is, but we've seen jailbroken iPhones and iDevices. So I'm imagining very soon somebody in the US will find who has a, mo a, f a Tesla Model S will enable ludicrous mode without buying the ludicrous mode Tesla. Is that possible? Oh, yes. I mean, if, if Tesla is going to sell... Um, upgrades based on just you know software updates then of course someone could just hack it in and becomes free but just to close off how far are we from all this is all fancy and lovely uh, as i said earlier for us on the continent and south africa and kenya and nigeria but how far off are we from seeing these electric cars happening what is the hindrance what, what's stopping it from seeing the proliferation of electric cars um, i assume you mean in africa in general well definitely infrastructure um, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna take a long time for electric vehicles because the the amount of infrastructure required in Africa is just gonna be so big that it's gonna be gradual. So we're gonna see hybrid at one stage, and then we're gonna see maybe bigger electric engines with smaller petrol engines as backup, and eventually we can get into pure electric vehicles. But we are talking perhaps a decade or more. Very interesting and worrying and exciting. Yeah, mixed emotions about all this. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. Tell us, what do you think? How will this affect the VW brand? 
how will this affect cars in general that run on fuel? Should we be looking forward to or making plans on the continent for electric cars, maybe having more charging stations? Is this even a possibility? Or will things like Uber take over, where people don't need to buy cars and they just use services like Uber? We'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup or hit us up on Twitter using the handle at African Roundup or using the hashtag hashtag ATRU. Or you can also email us at hello at africantechroundup.com. Otherwise, it's a very warm, or should I rather say chilly hot, thank you to VJ, our guest today, for taking time out to be with us. And we hope you have a smoking week from me, Defo Mohapi, and... And VJ, and he meant smoking, not from the emissions, but, you know, in general. Cheers, guys.